You had your resume on deck. Yeah, I was just blessed to, yeah. And again, you know, when I talk to young people now and stuff, it's just like, you have to, uh, luck is, you know, the intersection between like uh, preparation and like opportunity. You can't necessarily control opportunity and when, when it arises, but you can definitely be prepared for it. I had that resume on me and I dropped it off and I kept that thing on me. <laughs> It's Rashad, and this is Wear Many Hats, presented by Desar, where we talk about your main gig, then we talk about your side hustle. Matt Pinzia, a.k.a. Studio Guapo, is an artist, set designer, production designer, prop stylist based in NYC. He's worked on trade shows for clients and consulting, everything and above. Matt is releasing Studio Guapo merch called Rough Draft. He's collaborated with Richard and Grace, been featured with Pink Essay and Rumi. Give up for hashtag the shapes we make, the shapes we take. Studio Handsome, Studio Guapo, Matt Pensina. Yo, that was cool. I don't really get to hear people <laughs> say it like that, all back to back like that. But wow, man, maybe I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're dope, man. You're... Your yeah. Instagram is hilarious. It's so good. Your your Granby lit. I mean, literally, you're very inspired by the flames, like the flames design. And I too love anything flames printed. That's so funny because obviously, you know, flames have had their moment blown up to the point of on Urban Outfitters, you know, hoodies and stuff. And we we're, we're sort of post flames at this moment. But yeah. I've been on flames for so fucking long <laughs> that when it was first like i remember a time when i was doing flame stuff and it wasn't cool and all my friends were like that's really tacky and weird <laughs> and then like two years later it's starting to trend and you know i'm talking about like 2015 2016 it's starting to sort of trend and and then uh you know, you started to see it being being used in like streetwear and stuff, and then into 2017 and stuff like that. Obviously, we're we're off that now, but I'm still I'm still holding strong. No, you're still forever, you're man. you're still on that wave, and I love <laughs> it. I like you said, 2015, 2016. I found this flame fabric that I wanted to use to make five panel hats as well. And the girl I was seeing at the time, when she was just like, "Nah, man, it's gonna go out. It's that that flame is gonna go out, yo." And I was I was like, "Damn." And then you brought it back. And so, you know what? I'm manifesting it's it right now. We're going to yeah. collaborate. We're going to make this Flames hat. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with it. I, I mean, I'm down to put Flames on anything. I think that we have to be, you know, think about Flames in like a new way, maybe. Definitely. And obviously it's been explored like a bazillion times. So I don't even know what that means when I say it. But like maybe <laughs> we can find a fresh look on it. Like what, what, what would a Flame hat be? For 2021 look like i'm interested in having that task i know it's it's definitely beyond the gram 
that's funny that it because it still continues to follow me like people still send me pictures even if i don't like post anything with like a flame on it for like a year mm-hmm. like i still get like all my friends and stuff so it's like come one of those things that gets built into like i guess the in like a brand sort of way yeah we're just like i get so many people dming me like they're on the street and they see like this cool car with like flames on it and they like send me a picture and i think that's really dope no that's and then now so like dope. if you see a chair with flames on it then you really are sending that picture to me you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at least you better send it to me i don't want i don't want anybody to send it to anybody else but me i will be jealous yo speaking of flames yo the camo print camo camo oh my goodness yo that's a throwback that's funny yo the camo on american two shot like r.i.p was super tight man thank you did you go to the party i didn't go to the party but i definitely walked by american two shot uh when they had oh back when the window was like that yeah yo that was weird and funny and silly. I was really going through a lot of like creative, like I didn't know what my thing was yet, you mm. know? I still don't. Like, I mean, I do more than ever, but I still feel like I'm I'm still figuring out figuring things out. Maybe that's a forever journey. But at that time, I really was just like, I'm trying to do all these different things at the same time and find mm. this through line. And so somehow in ask, being asked to do this Christmas window and American Two Shot, they were like, honestly, you can just do whatever you want. And I was like, what, what is something that I want to do? What is like, <laughs> I was like trying to think of something that just felt like when someone says you can do whatever you want, but obviously they had like no money. Like, you know, this was more of like a creative, oh, of course, uh, just like side project thing. Mm-hmm. And it would be really fun ASAP had just made like Yamborghini, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, Yamborghini, uh, and like that song had like just come out. And I was like, yo, what, it would be almost kind of funny to make like this sculpture just out of cardboard. There's like no money. So like I can just use cardboard from the store mm-hmm. and just make this like a Lamborghini out of cardboard. And like everybody's going to want to like post up in front of like the cardboard Lamborghini. And it'd just be really silly. <laughs> and my friend, uh, Ryan Bach, who's a really talented artist, he, me and him wanted to collab, and we're just like friends, mm-hmm. and we we uh, from high school actually, so we wanted to do something. I was like, dude, will you help me? I was like, maybe you just like paint it. And at the time, he was doing painting a lot of objects, and I was like, just come up with like, I was like, we got to do this, but we're gonna also do camo. And I was like, all right, so I want like camo and I want this cardboard Lamborghini, but I also want it to be a Christmas window. But I also (laughs) wanna like have a party and collaborate with like my friend. And then it was just like mashed them all together. And it basically turned into this camo, this white and black camo. So snow camo basically Mm -hmm. was the idea. So I'm gonna do like a snow camo Lamborghini in the window and the door is going to open up and the inside interior is going to be all pink with pink Christmas lights and pink ruffles and stuff and then the outside and then we'll do like a city like a and my friend is a cubist painter so we'll do like this city mural behind it that'll be kind of like Soho 
And then when you walk by, you just see this like cardboard camo. And then I called it Camogini. <laughs> and then we were like, yo, let's have a party. And then we just did this like Camogini Christmas party. And it was actually like dumb lit. It was actually crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, my friend, uh, Aunt Blue Jr. DJed and my other friend, Nas Leber DJed. We were both really talented and it was actually yeah shout out to Aunt Blue Jr. Holy shit. Yeah, it was dope. This was years ago. I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing it way back. All the way back oh, yeah. and then coming right back. Yeah, because yo, your portfolio stays massive with all the set design you do, man. It's pretty incredible. The Yoho magazine set for Billy Eilish, Dev Hines, ASAP Rocky. You make shit pop. Thank you. I appreciate that. Those those were all cool. That was the first Yoho magazine with ASAP Rocky when it was first starting out was definitely one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, that like, this is cool. Like I'm doing something cool, you know? Yeah, definitely. Where, uh, when I was like aware of it, you know, and, and really excited. Yo, what got you into set design and furniture design? I know when you were on David Early's uh, Rumi and Pink Essay, you were talking about your humble beginnings. Throw down here, man. It's it's a really great story. I kind of have always gone done like public arts programming. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I, I think about a lot. I'm thinking about a lot more as I've gotten older. Uh, I'm going to be 32 uh, next week. Aquarius, baby. I know, right? Oh, other side note, I'm actually having an Aquarius baby. Yo, congrats on the baby. And thank you so much. My greatest, your creation. greatest creation, of course. <laughs> For sure. Our, our greatest creation with my uh, partner, Cricky. Shout out, Cricky. Shout out, Cricky. Anyways, so yeah, arts. I, I think a lot about public arts school uh, and arts programs, vanguard programs that exist in most big cities. There might be that one elementary school, that one middle school, and that one high school that uh, had like the, the sort of arts program, the performing and visual arts mm -hmm. program, right? So I went to the, in Dallas, Texas, I went to the elementary school, I went to the middle school and I went to the high school, um, all, all three. And so I really think at an early age, I definitely got introduced to the arts, introduced to uh, seeing those things cross over. And um, I, I have to take it back to there because it, without the, that programming, mm -hmm. um, and sort of the way my family and my community was set up, I would not have gotten to, you know, think about the world in a creative way because no one really in my life um, at the time was a creative, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I definitely got to meet cool kids because uh, those schools pull from different districts throughout the city, you know, versus just going to your public school in your district. So getting to go, you know, go to a public public school that had those types of uh, programs, I think was really instrumental to, to what got me to thinking about art, thinking about design and to be a full ass adult <laughs> and still loving and thinking about the things. For sure. And um, so, yeah, so I went to art college. I did a year at the School of the Arts of Chicago. Good and I was really interested. I was thinking about installation art expensive school Definitely. so after one year uh I was just like 
it was 2007 going into 2008 and that's also like the financial crisis and money was weird and you know when you're like 18 especially then I didn't understand money at all I feel like 18 year olds today understand money way better <laughs> than I did at the time so I'm like really coming to terms with with how many loans I was taking out and that that this you know what I mean like me and my mom were trying to take out like a you know a $30,000 loan together and we're getting denied and looking for another source and then I was like wait a minute why do I why am I fighting so hard to borrow $30,000 you know what I mean and uh I just couldn't afford to go you know what I mean it was sort of like at that time we were just like I'm, I'm so thankful that I got to get, get like a glimpse into like a big art school. I think that informed a lot of how I think, think about art and design. And, uh, but, you know, I just couldn't afford it. So I dropped out. I moved back in to my mom's house, you know, after freshman year, probably the worst thing that can happen to you when, you, when you're like that. You're like, ah, I'm at, like moved back to my mom's house and like I need to get a job. And I went to the mall. I'm like, all right, what's like the coolest job I can get at the mall? And at the time, uh, and I was like, cause then I want that job. So, or I want to try to get that job. So at the time, uh, anthropology, uh, which is w woman's store, which isn't as cool now, but at the time was like a really cool, like, you know, all the artsy girls I knew like that. <laughs> yo that's that's facts yo it, it was always anthropology and madewell when they were like low-key you know yeah for sure especially in like middle america it's like where else were you going to like get something so um you know i'm in like dallas texas so they always had really crafty like cool and cute like uh window displays and stuff and i sort of picked up on that and was like somebody is physically making these things and like arranging these things. And I went in and wanted, uh, was like, do you guys have some sort of an internship or something? And so like, I left a portfolio there and then months later, you know, just had like a normal regular summer, uh, whatever. But then like three months later, I got a phone call that they were interviewing for uh, a display coordinator position and um, you know, and, and again, this is just like at a mall in like Texas, uh, at one of their stores in a suburb. And, um, they had found my like CD ROM that I had like left there, uh, port with my portfolio on it. I really just like got lucky, you know, I really wanted it for me at that time. It was like, I was so insecure about not finishing art school and like where my life was going to go. And when that opportunity, that call back, I was like, I want this so bad. Like, I just want some way in which I'm learning and making things and like working with my hands and staying creative and making money. Like if I have to like live in this <laughs> shitty town within have a shitty job, like I just, like, I want this so bad. So, you know, by the grace of, you know, God or whatever, one thing led to another and I got the job Let's see. and I, you know, I, I was, a, you know, making window displays for anthropology, just like at the mall. And for me, that was, I learned at that time how to receive sort of like company direction. We would get a budget every month 
and I would have to like go to Home Depot and go to the plant store, go wherever and buy the materials that I needed to sort of design and build this window display based off of their direction. We were really empowered at the time to uh, make our own, take our own spin mm -hmm. on things and stuff. So uh, I basically kind of really self-taught myself to use kind of basic contractor tools like chop saws, circular saws, you know, jigsaws, because uh, those were made available to me at, at this job. And uh, great feeling. I was doing everything wrong. I was doing everything <laughs> wrong. Like I learned that with time. When I look back, I was overbuilding everything. I was using like L brackets on like Damn. everything. And like, I thought that I had to put like a bazillion screws into things for it to stay together. But, um, you know, with time- oh, You get better. Uh, I, yeah. So I did that for a couple of years and I, and this is all, I feel like I have to say all this to, you know, you asked the question, what got me into set design? uh we're, we're that first sort of like creative job that I got so much of what I was learning to do in forms is basically set design you know for this company and uh or and like a type of internal position where you're basically um given some sort of direction there's this sort of you're almost always doing it for a brand or doing it for a project you're giving you know, there's an art director giving like this direction and you're being asked to uh, create this environment, buy materials, transport them to a location, you know, put something together, break it down, put it away. And it, the working in that way, just, I've just continued to sort of carry that throughout. So that working that job, I moved to New York two years later at 21 and I got a job at Urban Outfitters, basically doing the same thing. Uh, it was called a di display artist. You just transferred up. Yeah. And I did that internally. Uh, I really wanted to move to New York. Like that was my big goal nice. at the time. Like I was like, I'm going to work this job. I'm going to save my money. I'm going to move to New York. Uh, I was not getting along with my family at the time. And I think a lot of people, you know, moved to New York for much of that same reason, you know, you're creative and you're frustrated at your home. And, and you, you know, at that time there wasn't, Instagram didn't no, exist. Didn't. And like, you know, a lot of, lot of these things, like even Facebook events were way different. It was just like, there wasn't as much of a blueprint. The blogosphere was going crazy. I was like getting on the blogs and I was seeing, you know, Tumblr was, a thing and I was like I don't want to go to New York and you know I like I said I, I applied for this job I I got on a an Amtrak train I had four suitcases I moved to New York in 2010 and uh, I worked at Urban Outfitters basically building displays and if you go to Urban Outfitters even today uh, basically everything's made out of mm. plywood so it's everything sort of like this plywood box, this like custom plywood box to from things on the wall to like nail polish things. And basically there's someone like at every store whose job is to build all those plywood mm -hmm. boxes and take them apart when they're done with them and recycle the wood and build new things. And so I learned a lot about carpentry doing that job. And then, uh, yeah, everything I've done has had led me to becoming a set designer. It That's felt great. like I was just like on the way 
accumulating different skills. And uh, when I finally, I ended up working at a furniture store, ABC Carpet and Home. ABC. I got a job as visual merchandise. That was also the same way that you got your job from anthropology and you just like slipped your portfolio straight up. Really similar, really similar. So I I look back and I feel blessed and thankful. Um, I've always been passionate about what I do. So, you know, if I speak even now with like passion, I spoke with passion then. And so I found ABC for the first time. I was kind of miserable at my job at Urban Outfitters when you're young and you move to New York and you think like oh I'm gonna like move to New York and everything's gonna be great and then you get here and you're just like broke and you don't have friends and like again like Instagram doesn't exist you don't know what's cool (laughs) I I like just like would get off the train and just like look around and be like where are all my new friends (laughs) like why won't anyone talk to me (laughs) like and so yeah. You know, I was just like, I need to do something new. I need to. The Urban Outfitters I worked at was in like the Upper East Side. Oh, man. There was like an Upper East Side, like getting off the train, like getting off of work, being like, where do I go to like meet yeah. new people and stuff? I went to Union Square and would just like hang out at like Union Square, like Yo. nothing to do, like trying to figure out. From Union Square walking around, I found ABC Carpet and Home. Nice. And I actually put a couple things together that I'd actually heard of ABC Home when I worked at Anthropology, because uh, that was like an inspirational store for for the company. So mm-hmm. they, re- I was like given at different times different like sources of inspiration, and they had referenced ABC Carpet Home. I'm like, oh my god, like this that store. And uh, again, found myself looking around and being like, oh my gosh, like there are people in the store that are making all these decisions. Mm -hmm. And like, I can tell that that's handmade. I can tell that that, like I had this eye for retail through working at Anthro and Urban that, oh, okay. So like they have a visual team and they do really cool stuff. So I happen to have a resume on me. I left a resume at the door, kind of chatted up with the person there and uh, you know, thankful that they actually passed that resume along. And again, when they were hiring for position, I got, you know, I got emailed or got a phone call. You had your resume on deck. Yeah. It was just blessed to, yeah. And again, you know, when I talk to young people now and stuff, it's just like, you have to, uh, luck is, you know, the intersection between like, uh, preparation and like opportunity. You can't necessarily control opportunity and when, when it arises, but you can definitely be prepared for it. I had that resume on me and I dropped it off and I kept that thing on me. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's the thing that we should keep, you know, first a resume. That's the thing that you should keep on you for real. You can quote me on that. Oh my God. That's how, you know, I'm about to be a dad. It's it's amazing just to hear because yeah, when you start working for a corporate company, as young as you were, you got to play with other people's budgets, you know, other people's money. So throw around, do whatever you want. Well, you kind of have to get it right on track, but it's kind of freeing at such a young start. It gave me a sense of like how things worked for sure. Mm -hmm. But what it didn't give me was a sense of like personal self-discovery that I think some of my friends were getting to have as they were finishing college. Mm -hmm. Um, at least that's how I felt at the time. And even yeah, maybe even still, you know, I think for me that came later and came sort of during my years once I started 
my freelance set design and prop styling world. Uh, and part of the reason why I left ABC Carpet and Home, because I loved furniture, I loved my job on a day-to-day world, but what I wasn't satisfied with was just like my own personal journey. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like in order to truly capture whatever it was I, I moved to New York to capture to truly that I needed to just like a leap of faith because mm-hmm. by like 2015 I was like 25 years old you know 25 26 and I had at that point worked uh Monday through Friday for like seven years or something no way in like retail in visual retail you know mm-hmm. of doing window displays and then working at a furniture store doing visual merchandising and I was like needed to go on this like creative journey and I that's why that's why I left that's basically why I quit my job and uh started trying to explore and get into set design and realizing also at that time I think Instagram was really starting to pop off like 2015 and becoming this you know it was became really clear and obvious that it was this really amazing tool to uh, connect with people and also streetwear was like going crazy disrupting the fashion industry it really was here I am like Monday through Friday in this thing and like you know everybody was like I'm a rapper I'm a stylist mm. I'm a designer I'm a photographer everyone was trying to work on projects and things like that and I was like man I have this like useful skill set what what part can I play you do and for me, at the time, uh, I was like, I think I, I didn't, even though at the time I was still confused on exactly what a set designer meant or what it could mean. Um, but I was like, that is where I, you know, a photographer needs a set designer. Uh, you know, music videos need a set designer. Uh, retail display, you know, retail world, retail displays obviously need set design qualities. I had already knew, known that. Um, so bring it all in. Uh, I sort of found this. I was like, that's my through line. That's what can connect me to all these different things I'm interested in and connect me to different people in New York. So I kind of just had to make that leap of faith and just try to like uh, meet new people and do new things and figure figure it, figure the city out on my own and not just like within, you know, a company that basically basically owned me and my like creative brain, you know? Of course. And set design is amazing for that as well as with like when people refer people on set for like photographers or set designers like such as yourself it's all through word of mouth and the connections you make through that so you found your niche for sure yeah um yeah i found i found a place to to learn and to meet new people exactly but even then i feel like these roles we play in industries or in like capitalism, you know, it's like, I really see it as that. That's why it's so hard to, you know, to pigeonhole ourselves and call ourselves, you know, one thing these days is it's like, yeah, it's like, I, I do set design as a means to, you know, make money. Mm -hmm. And that's what's, you know, put most of the food on my table over the last few years but uh you know I feel I feel like I'm so much more than that you know what I mean of course and as different from your set design and you're now 
dipping in the furniture. I'm pretty sure that you've made other pieces of furniture, but let's talk about the Guapo Rocker, baby. Honestly, you putting together the Guapo Rocker was very soothing. It was therapeutic and watching the process, A+. Thank you so much. You're watching the process. That that was the best thing I've seen. Thank you. How do you Thank feel you. That, completing that? That's honestly that's the part that uh, that I'm most interested in. So not saying that you know that's the part I most respect, but just personally, I'm interested in is the marketing. If in from a branding point of view or like a capitalist point of view is like the marketing but but more like the theory and the conversations mm. surrounding chairs and furniture in the same way that I felt like set design was like this vehicle to like get into other things I also feel like the chair and furniture the chair is this vehicle that we're that a lot of people are visiting right now mm -hmm. to sort of like tour to tour different ideas and thoughts. Yeah, because when you uh, were when you did the process, you were also showing like the programs, the sketches, wondering what people's thoughts were, and you were taking them, and it was really cool. It was basically your project, but you allowed everyone to come in. Yeah, uh, and honestly, that that was just like on some quarantine vibes. My need to sort of keep creating and making and honestly not knowing exactly what that meant where I was going mm -hmm. so I almost felt from a specific like creative journey way that in the same way I said that I left these jobs in my past to go on this journey but then set design had become my new job and was sort of all consuming and in the same way I was like creating and using my skills for all these different brands and different people and different projects but I had still not really gone on my own personal journey mm -hmm. something creative so with quarantine you know my work just completely disappeared so many canceled projects I was finally like in a place where I had nothing to do but kind of go on this like creative journey stretching out this process and really going on this journey and bringing people along was way more interesting than to just like out of nowhere just like flex a chair on the ground you know <laughs> what I mean like just like oh out of nowhere just like drop a finished chair out of nowhere yeah. just post a picture like look at this finished chair bam hit y'all with a chair bam hit you with another chair <laughs> and I felt like in the same way people like fashion post a fit pic, yes. like, yo, look, look how I these shoes just came out and bam, I just hit you with like these new shoes and like I had it before anybody, you know? Yeah. What made you come up with the Guapo Rocker? What inspired you to create that? Is it because of we're always sitting and we're chilling and like well, wish we are on a, like a lazy boy, but this is like straight up futuristic? Facts, a lot of that. So for one, the fastest way to make a chair mm -hmm. would be to do something planar or like linear, you know, like of like connecting rods or connecting planes. Like, I feel like if somebody was to be really quick, like, yo, I want to make a chair really quickly. Like the quickest way to sort of do that would be to mm -hmm. 
you know, cut some squares out of plywood and assemble them into a chair that I'll, you know, I'll adopt Donald Judd or something. And, uh, or in a different way, mm -hmm. sort of really simple geometric shapes in a very like Memphis kind of way. Uh, and th that was cool. Like I definitely, because I came come from a set design background, I didn't feel like I needed to prove that I could like screw wood together or I could like weld something together or make something because I felt, so I, when I went into this idea of like wanting to make a chair, I was definitely interested. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't come at it from that angle. Like I wasn't like, I just want to make a chair really quickly. Or I want to make a chair, you know, I wanted to, I, I went into like, I want to go on a journey. Like I want to, and I want to do something that feels really normal and natural to me. So for one, like I said, I'm having wow. a baby and my girlfriend and I were looking for a rocking chair and we were shopping online <laughs> for rocking chairs and they're all ugly as fuck. They're all really clumsy. Especially to us, you're 33. I mean, of course they're all gonna be ugly, yeah. like catered to us, you know? Totally, and and with design changing and, and, and and with streetwear spilling into things, there was nothing cool about buying a rocking chair, you know, and nothing available. So that one put the idea of rocking chair and also that it's just like comfy as fuck. And I, <laughs> you know, on some dad vibes, on some gamer vibes, on some watching Netflix vibes, on some you know, reading a book, looking at your phone, things that people actually do and use a chair for on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, isn't necessarily wanting to sit on, you know, so many of the chairs I think people des design, and there's nothing wrong with this, obviously, but would probably function better as side tables or as nightstands than they would as a real chair that you're going to spend a lot of time in. So yeah, that all led me to this thinking of like, all right, I want to make something cozy, right? So one the other part that i've the inverse of this idea right like almost like if you took that and then you like reversed it and like put it inside out the other side of this thought was i wanted to create a brand and strengthen my own brand and create a logo and and create a graphic so i was thinking a lot about at the same time, I wanted to make a chair and go on this artistic journey. I also wanted to like start a brand that uh, that my primary primary use was going to be social media and like interacting with people. And I know I wanted to make merch and I wanted to make street things that felt like streetwear and work with my friends. And so I wanted to find a find a through line between that project and then also doing that. So I was like as I was naturally drawing, naturally drawing shapes already, like my, my original Guapo logo was my handwriting paint. And so I was kind of already doing these sort of forms and blobby things. And um, it just made sense to just like, all right, if I'm going to be sharing this image of a chair throughout this whole process, like what if the, we're nor normally, if you were like designing this chair and gonna stretch it out, you'd maybe need to put like the logo in the corner of every frame if you wanted to sort of get the branding and get people to connect the dots, right? 
I was like, what if like the logo is the chair? Like the graphic is the chair. And almost like that was my interest in, in designing it was I wanted it to also function as a branding tool and as a logo. And I felt like if anything, that was more, since I was interested in the theory and design and thought more than anything, it's like the reality is most people who are gonna experience my chair are never gonna sit in it, you know, or not anytime soon. If chairs are sort of transcending their, their function, that it's sort of also this opportunity to think about things and design things and create things. It's also this opportunity to like connect with people and start a brand and share. If, if a chair can be all those things, then like at the same time I'm designing a chair, I'm also designing a graphic. Like I want a chair that looks really cool two-dimensionally as it does three-dimensionally, that the vector looks really dope. The vector does look very dope. And when I saw that gene that you like, basically it resembles guapo straight up. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to even explain all that, man. Like, it's really cool. I, I saw the, the thought process behind it. And when you, when you turned your chair into the logo and all of the sketches that brought it all the way up there, you know, you started creating rough draft and your love for streetwear, wear your chair, you know, you have mentioned streetwear and furniture has finally crossed paths and it's on everything now. You'd be rocking that hidden hoodie. Yeah. You, you have grail pieces in your Depop. Shout out Boot Boys Biz chair and that t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I really slept on, on that t-shirt. You have like vintage Ikea gear. So everything that you've been talking about with the logo, it brings us all the way up to here with rough draft. So Tell me about your first clothing job. So Rough Draft, I decided would be a series of merch that celebrates the unfinished, the unfinished piece. So for now, this first drop is centered around the Guapo Rocker. But the idea is that I, I have a few projects that I've started, a few other furniture projects um, but the, the truth is that furniture takes a lot longer than streetwear does. Making a hoodie, right? Uh, generally, the trying to make many units or something. So th it takes a while to finish the project. So I wanted to create a sort of streetwear brand where I'd get to sort of, sort of create graphics based on uh, projects that I'm working on, but it to be so it's sort of merch for the projects before they're finished. And uh, nice. because again, as I said from the beginning, I've also always been interested in this sort of the journey more so than the destination. And uh, so Rough Draft felt like a really cool concept to explore through, uh, through streetwear. And that sort of became the... Uh, the title of that series. So you can definitely expect that there'll be a rough draft drop of whatever, whatever project I work on this year. And that's, that's sort of my, uh, my goal is, is to, so, you know, as I collaborate with different people and I work on different objects and maybe even other things that I, in the process, I want to take like our sketches or take our notes, make some sort of rough draft merch drop. And that's, that's the idea behind that. And, you know, you spoke on collaboration. Uh, what's your process like for collaboration? 
I enjoy that on your Insta, you share with the world your upcoming collaborations, but not letting anything slip. You know, you're definitely stoked to share what's in store next for Studio Guapo. So, yeah. Yeah, what's your process? Yeah, I'm like? in general, I'm an open book. I'm not, it's I'm great. not like, I know some people with creative projects, they really want to like drop on you out of nowhere, you know? I love mm -hmm. to show the process. Like I'd love to overshare and to let nothing be in stone. So one project that I'm working on next is with a friend, Bronson, who has a company called Work at Hand. He's a really talented furniture designer, furniture fabricator. And he actually, we met when I worked at ABC Carpet and Home. I had tried to collaborate with him. There was actually this other design studio that I tried to start when I was like 22 or 23 that naturally just kind of fell off because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and I wasn't ready but um we had tried to work together back then so we are reconnecting now you know almost you know eight nine years later and you know we're both very different people where he designed this stool this pillow stool that is just really dope. And I really feel like it was slept on. And like most furniture designers or industrial designers, uh, their job is to, you know, be really great at design. And they often are like super great at design. I think something that's frustrating for some designers is they might not also be really great at marketing or really great at using social media. And that's kind of its own talent. So. What I'm doing with him is taking this, at first we were gonna design our own furniture, uh, design a collaborative furniture, but I was like, actually, dude, you just have a really awesome catalog of designs that you've made mm -hmm. that just enough people probably haven't seen. And if anything, I wanna just use my platform to just like empower his design and just like remix it and give this sort of guapo spin to it so we're gonna sort of do these like I'm, I'm gonna sort of create these sort of fine art objects that sort of show off his his talent in fabrication and sort of bring my my spin in terms of materiality and con you know sort of textures that I like and uh sort of breathe some like guapo energy into it and onto it and and as well as within the marketing of it. And then of course, I wanna make a rough draft merch for it. And um, what we're going to have at the end of this process is uh, a collection um, that through work doing different experiments that we sort of end up with this small little collection of, uh, of of, of stools and a bench and sort of like a coffee table uh, that is going to be available um, for custom order. And I'm hoping to work on more That's projects great. like that. I'm starting a podcast with David from Pink SA. It's going to be presented by Pink SA. So we're excited about that. And I'm also working- Bringing that guapo energy. Yes. And then I'm also working on a, a lamp uh, that inspired by the guapo chair with uh, this guy, Matt, from his Instagram is called Super Lamp. 
uh, his company's called Superlamp, and he's really talented and dope. And, and again, that's going to be a very Guapo-esque sort of project. Uh, that, that, one, that one, I'm still not sure yet. We're still sort of conceptualizing that. But it's uh, basically going to be based on the Guapo rocker, but turning it into something that illuminates light, essentially. Yeah, you, you're stacked for 2021, man. Yeah, I'm having a baby. <laughs> oh, my God. You're always busy. Yeah, you know, it appears that way, but I still find myself just like, staring off into the distance like not doing anything for really long periods of time and you know (laughs) and sometimes people will tell me that that I'm doing a lot I'm like I feel like I just am daydreaming all the time and uh I feel like that's that's cool that's cool that it, it it appears that way and I I acknowledge that uh I've been able to do to work on a lot of projects lately and um yeah you know it's been like the one thing kind of keeping me sane throughout this crazy crazy year definitely so matt if you were to get a chest tattoo quote in old english what would it be oh man that one hits extra home because i'm mexican so like the old english chest tattoo you know that's just like some on some cholo Tejano vibes. I I would have to get something. For one, I could just keep it old school and just do like Tejano pride, just like across the chest. And because I'm from Texas, in Old English, and I would be like nice, really down to get that tattoo. Especially like becoming a dad, like growing up. Like I just imagine being like, oh yeah, I'll be like that cool Mexican dad that's got like the Tejano pride in Old English across my chest. And like my accent start to come out when I'm like lecturing my kid and I'm like scary. Um, <laughs> but maybe I could do something else. Uh, like if I didn't. I, I really thought you were about to drop your, your newborn baby's name. Oh, I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> That's why I can't drop my newborn baby's name yet. We haven't decided. We have a few options, but I don't know. We can't decide. It's going to be something kind of uh kind of neo hippie-ish though we a lot of <laughs> a lot of the the names that we're thinking about are uh based in like they're like nature-ish or like celestial that's great yeah. you matt so plug your socials where can people find you you can find me at studio.guapo on instagram i don't think i'm gonna stop anytime soon um, I also, <laughs> you can find me on TikTok, although I don't use it that much, but I definitely have been exploring TikTok throughout quarantine. That is another crazy world. Um, I also, <laughs> it is a crazy world. <laughs> that's its own beast. And of course, you will see a new podcast coming out uh, presented by Pink Essay that I'll be a part of with David. And you'll be able to find me there. Studio.guapo. That's your boy. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. Studio Guapo for coming on Wear Many Hats. It was great to have you. Yo, thank you for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. I also have a million questions for you. So we should just like have a phone call because I'd love to hear more about your story. Of course. Until next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Dasar with your host, Rashad. We out. Peace.